I know you know what it feels like to do everything just right and still feel like you're getting nowhere. And to that end, it can be equally disappointing when you've spent a ton of time working on something that is important to you, perhaps even trying to achieve a big goal only to see it slip right through your fingers. And if the truth be told, life has felt a lot like that over the past five months or so. There came a point not too long ago where I had to get really honest with myself about what I wanted out of my life now that everything has changed. And I started asking myself questions about what I believe and what I want to align with and who I want to align with and who I'm becoming. And maybe you've been tossing around some of those questions yourself. Perhaps what you wanted or what you were hoping for, the dreams, the plans that you had for your life just don't seem attainable right now, or they are so far from what is possible. A few weeks ago, I got myself a book called Get Your Mind Right by Todd Durkin. And if you know anything about me, I am obsessed with performance and getting things right. So this book was right up my alley. So let me tell you a little bit about Todd. He's a performance coach who works with elite athletes, helping them achieve their fitness goals. But more than that, he actually is helping them work on their mindset. And from the outside, he looks like a pretty hardcore guy. So when I first picked up the book, I was expecting to be given like the exact step-by-step plan to get myself out of the funk that I had fallen into to get my mind right. And I wanted a bit of a pep talk, maybe even some tough love. But what I found was so much more than that. Immediately, I felt connected to Todd's journey and I started to see areas of my own life that were no longer in alignment with where I felt like God was leading me. There was this tension and resistance that I had been trying to navigate and I was experiencing every time I tried to change things in my life. So as I read the story that Todd was sharing in his book, I started to see myself within those pages. But getting to talk to Todd in person revealed so much more about who he is and the journey that he's gone through, the pain and the struggle that has led him to this point and how he's been able to do it all by getting his mindset set on the right things. Having a personal training certification and going to massage therapy school, things on the side. Uh, My dream at that time was shattered at age 25 and I went down this circuitous route of healing, healing my own back pain without surgery. And um, I lived in 13 different cities in four years. And uh, looking back now where I sit, literally where I sit right now in the midst of what I started 20 years ago, um, all of that was by design. All of that was by God's design to, to uh, teach me what it was like to be in pain, physically and mentally, what it was like to, to, to be anxious and to be down and, and uh, you know sometimes depressed to try to like, find a new dream. So I can't tell you how grateful and blessed I am now, you know, 20 years later. Uh, and you know, we have a fam family and, uh, you know, I've got three kids and I'm happily married 19 years and I've got 35 employees and, and, uh, you know, the last obviously several months with COVID hasn't been easy, but it's, uh, it, it, I feel tremendously grateful for the path that I've traveled because I get to impact, you know, quite a few people now. I was pleasantly surprised when Todd got vulnerable with me about his life and about what it really takes to change course, to start over and to dream again. And all of that starts with getting your mind right. You're listening to The Courage Cast, a show to equip and empower women to live bravely. Each week we'll share coaching conversations and stories of women who are willing to face their fear and pursue their purpose. Here's your host, life coach, author, and your secret weapon. Hello, my friend. I am so glad to be back with you this week. I'm excited to share this conversation with you. And it's actually been a few weeks since we've had a guest on the podcast. It's just been you and I, and I'm not going to lie. It's been awesome. I love hanging out with you. But if you haven't had a chance to catch any of the past few episodes, or if this is your first time ever tuning into the podcast, then I've been sharing a bit about what is going on Uh, in my life. And it's been kind of a season of awakening for me, both spiritually and emotionally. And in the process, I've been doing some soul searching about what I want out of my life. I've asked the hard questions and I've been talking quite a bit about that. 
And I always want to be intentional about my life and what I put my energy towards. Hopefully it will help you as well. And I've felt this deeper connection to stepping out and sharing my journey with you. But this week, I want to dive right in with our guest. Todd brings a powerful word and his energy is honestly palpable. I really think you're going to be supercharged after listening to this conversation. The moment I got on the call, like seriously, within seconds of connecting with Todd over Zoom, I literally could feel myself vibrating because of his energy and excitement. He is just a really, really great guy. And it's not a wonder that he trains elite athletes like Drew Brees and so many others. Now you may want to grab a journal and take a few notes or open up the notes section on your iPhone because this conversation is that good. Now Todd Durkin is an internationally recognized strength, speed, conditioning coach, personal trainer, body worker, motivational speaker, and an author who motivates, educates, and inspires people worldwide. I mean, that's a mouthful, right? But he is also the founder of Fitness Quest 10, and it is in San Diego, California. Todd works with high profile clientele, elite professional athletes. He literally coaches, this is crazy, NFL MVPs, Super Bowl champions, MVPs, Heisman Trophy winner, if you know anything about football, Olympic and X game gold medalists, and many other champion athletes. And he's a two-time personal trainer of the year. He's received numerous industry accolades, and he was named one of the top 100 most influential people in health and fitness for the past four years, which I think is unbelievable. So I am super excited to have him on the show today. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Todd. Todd, I am so grateful to have you on the Courage Cast today. Thanks for being here. Um, I am already like totally pumped. I, I feel <laughs> like I'm buzzing. I don't know if you've ever heard of the Enneagram, the Enneagram 7 buzzes. I'm an Enneagram 1, but I go to mm. a 7, which means like I, when I get excited, I'm just like vibrating. I yep, have yep. your book in my hands yes. here. It's get called, your mind right. Yeah, get your mind right. That's it. And uh, <laughs> 10 keys to unlock your potential and ignite your success. And I loved it. It was so good. I've got so many questions. Thank you for being on the show today. I am so fired up, Andrea. Thanks for having me. Now, I like to have people just tell the listeners about themselves because mm. I think that me sharing about you is never going to adequately describe who you are. So I love to just know maybe a little bit about who you are and what you are passionate about. Um, well, thanks for Andrew. What, what I would say is this, uh, you know, it goes back to where I sit right now, by the way, I'm in, in San Diego, at my gym called Fitness Quest 10. And uh, I started it 20 years ago. No clients, no money, no business plan. And, um, you know, it, it's interesting 20 years later now, looking back and reflecting how the heck did I get where I'm at now? Really, it stems back before that. You know, I'm the youngest of eight kids. I have five sisters. Wow. Five sisters. Yeah, I got five sisters, youngest of eight. And um, my folks got divorced when I was uh, five years old. And it kind of set uh, a work ethic in me that, um, you know, uh, I still use to this day because growing up with no money, I was the lunch ticket kid. Mm. You know, having no, having no money and having to give lunch tickets, you know, I was I was embarrassed that we were the poor family. And uh, when I was growing up in New Jersey, back on the East Coast, I always had a dream. And my dream at that time was to play professional football uh, because to me, sports was the way out. So I went through, I had a real successful high school career and I was fortunate enough to earn a, a college football scholarship. And, um, and then after that, I went overseas and I was playing in Europe and it's where I, I blew out my back. I was 25 years old and um, I herniated three of my discs and it got diagnosed with stenosis and degenerative back disease. And it's interesting because at that point in my life, you know, I'd always wanted to be a quote professional quarterback. And all of a sudden now I'm lying on a field in Aix-en-Provence, France. And as the doctor uh, came out and, and uh, told me what was going on and went to the hospital and, and everything confirmed the worst, was uh, he said, Z have a back problem, Z football career is done. <laughs> and I was like, not possible. Like, 
I mean, that's all I, from the time I was five to 25, despite me having an education and having a personal training certification and going to massage therapy school, things on the side. Uh, my dream at that time was shattered at age 25. And I went down this circuitous route of healing, healing my own back pain without surgery. And um, I lived in 13 different cities in four years. And uh, looking back now where I sit, literally where I sit right now in the midst of what I started 20 years ago, um, all of that was by design. All of that was by God's design to, to uh, teach me what it was like to be in pain physically and mentally what it was like to 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 be anxious and to be down and and uh you know sometimes depressed to try to like find a new dream so i can't tell you how grateful and blessed i am now you know 20 years later uh and you know we have a fam family and uh you know i've got three kids and i'm happily married 19 years and i've got 35 employees and and uh you know the last obviously several months with COVID hasn't been easy but it's uh, it, it, I feel tremendously grateful for the path that I've traveled because I get to impact, you know, quite a few people now. Yeah, it sounds like it. Take me back. I want to hear what was going through your mind. You're lying on the ground. The doctor, you know, is kind of giving you his take on what your your prognosis is going to be and what your future looks like. Mm -hmm. What did you think then? Like, what was going through your mind at that point? My thought was, it can't be over. Mm. That was, it can't be over. But I knew it was serious because I couldn't lift my legs and I was lying there and I've never, and I, I had been, I'd been an athlete my whole life and, and uh, I had, you know, multiple concussions and, you know, just, I'd been hurt a lot. I'd never been to a point where I couldn't move my body. Okay. And um, when I was lying there, I still could see it to this day, Andrea. I had, there were two clouds off in the distance. It was a beautiful blue sky. Uh, it was in Aix-en-Provence, France. And uh, let me tell you what, um, it was, uh, it was absolutely um, soul searching because I was like, there's no way that it's over. I can't do this. It's not over. It's not over. And um Sure enough, it was the start of a, a new dream at that time. Mm -hmm. I, I love that because that is probably where so many people are right now. They're in a place where they are probably feeling like it's over. Right. The, the death of the dream they had pre-COVID to now and mm -hmm. thinking, okay, how do I start again? And like, I love that I'm having you on right now because of where we are, it is so important that our mindset is fixed um, in the sense of like, it, it is a growth mindset, <laughs> fixed on the totally. right things. Um, let me explain that totally. better. But um, totally. what do you say to a person who like is listening right now is like, okay, I, I hit download on this episode specifically. I need to get my mind right. I'm just starting out. Maybe I'm gonna listen to 10 minutes of this episode and this moment here is the thing that they need to hear. What do, what do you say to them? It's probably contrary to what you may think I'm gonna say, but I got some sage wisdom when I was lying on that field in France. Um, after the fact, you know, I, I was in such bad pain that uh, I had to have a nurse come to my condo and shoot me up with painkillers twice a day. Um, I couldn't fly home to the U.S. for six weeks uh, because I couldn't sit upright in the plane, so I was doing my rehab over there. And I was struggling. I was struggling mentally. I was struggling physically. I was, I'd never felt like that before. And I was struggling because my dream was shattered. Like, I knew that football was over and it was time for a new dream. And one of my mentors said, um, she said, uh, embrace the pain and I want you to feel the pain stop fighting the pain mm. so you've been conditioned your whole athlete to fight pain you can get through concussions you can get through ankle sprains and knee knee surgeries stop right now don't fight this one I want you to open up your heart and I want you to open up your mind and I want you to feel this pain and I want you to remember this pain because ultimately it's going to fuel your spirit and going to allow you to get through to the other side the reason I share that is because even now with this whole pandemic, some people are beaten to their knees and they're down. Yeah. And, um, and, and if we keep, I mean, we got to fight, 
But listen, physically fighting it day after day gets tiring. It gets energetically draining. It gets depressing. These are real feelings. And I want you to feel those feelings because those are real. Because if you can embrace those feelings, you can actually turn those feelings around and use them as fuel, not live in it, but use it as fuel to fuel whatever that new dream is that you're going to have. If it is a new dream, or perhaps it's getting back uh, to what your dream that you were living, but you've got to have fuel. You've got to have octane that will fuel that. And I believe these emotions that you feel, it's okay to feel it. Yes, you want to quote, fight through it, but you don't want to just fight to it to the point where you are so exhausted and beaten and you're getting adrenal fatigue and you're, you're exhausted and you're not taking care of yourself and you're not exercising, you're not sleeping, all of these things. There are very proactive things that we can do to feel that pain, to recognize it and say, okay, I feel you stress. I feel you anxiety. I feel you depression. And you're not welcome in my body. You're not welcome in my mind or my heart. I feel you. I acknowledge you. And I'm going to use you to give you to give me fuel so that I can create a God-sized dream and get to the other side. So that would be my, my advice uh, that I even use myself. Again, uh, you know, I've got a team here that I've got to lead and, and my family and everything else. Uh, but I'm, I, 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 while I would say I'm quote fighting and I'm also like being real in tune with the emotions I feel and being real with it because I know they're going to fuel me throughout this entire pandemic, which will allow me to get through it, which I'm calling a positivity pandemic. Yeah, that's, no, that's good. That's, <laughs> I'll use that. I'll take it. Um, <laughs> a few years ago, I started down a journey myself of really kind of feeling into my body. Before mm. then, I, uh, I was suffering with anxiety and depression that I didn't realize probably had gone undetected for about 20 years mm. so I just thought I was tired and so when I started to get healthier um, and started down this journey I realized that there was so much of my body tied to my emotions and my spirit and kind of cleansing through the different um, chakras in my body and started going down yeah. this whole path and I was like whoa I first first of all a church girl uh, yeah. raised in the church so I was like this is really woo woo this is kind of crazy what's going on here but I started to recognize so many things of what you're saying and I've had to be reminded just in the past few weeks myself I have felt a lot of emotions mm -hmm. and wanting to suppress like anger, irritation, frustration, just want to push it down and say, it's not helping me. But what you're saying is when I lean into it, when I accept it, okay, there it is, it's here, I can actually ask the questions I need to ask to find out, well, what's next? Like, how do I move through this? Not like, how do I push it away so it comes back? But how do I embrace it so that I can move through it? Mm -hmm. Is that what you're saying? Is that kind of how? Yeah, no, that, that's that's great, Andrew. You're talking my language. You're talking shockers and all. I love this. <laughs> it, it is honestly, yes. I, I, and I don't necessarily say you have to accept it. It's acknowledging it. Yes, okay. And then, do, and, and then using the power of the emotion to take action on a habit that you know is going to be healthy for you, physically, mentally, spiritually, whatever that may be. For example, if one is feeling stress or anxiety, there's a couple of different things you can do. You could probably start, you know, getting some wine and alcohol and start drinking. And you know, ultimately, that's not going to lead you down a path where you want to go um, because it's a habit that's not going to energize you. It's not going to re rejuvenate you and, and, and regenerate your cells that you want to have refreshed. Or you could go out for a, a beautiful walk during sunrise or sunset and get more vibrant. Or you can do a, a nice, you know, hit high intensity training exercise where actually slamming a medicine ball on the ground and getting the frustration and anxiety out. So afterwards you feel cathartic and euphoric that you actually did something to get it out of your system, acknowledged it, got it out of your system, and now you feel balanced and serene and peaceful. So I, I think the suppression is not a good thing, right? Like you said, I don't think it's good because that leads to dis-ease and disharmony inside of you and you're battling inside your head of all these different things. So I think to acknowledge it um, and to be aware of it and then to try to use that emotion to say, okay, I, I understand. 
We have a lot of anxiety right now. We have a lot of stress, but those habits that we're going to undertake are going to be very, very important so that we can uh, get not only through this, but perhaps this in a weird way is a blessing that can, can prove on the other side that it's, it's going to take you to even deeper levels. And I can honestly say going all the way back to my football injury, I would have, when I was going through that, you know, it was a couple years of pain and, and, and uh, physical therapy and all, I would have never told you this is a blessing. I mean, but 25 years later now, I'm like, that gave me such empathy for people in pain. Mm -hmm. The empathy I have for people when I see them hobbling, because I know the walk when you're in pain um, of a bad back or you've had a, uh, uh, you know, a, a replaced knee like myself, like whatever it may be, I know that. So the empathy that one feels when you go through something, like even now, you know, the stress and, and, and anxiety one feels, depression um, that the kids and adults feel, is real. So knowing and having been through that um, certainly now allows me to to uh, navigate the days better than if I had not gone through it previously. Now you have been on a reality TV show, and uh, I I read about it in your book, and I want you to just share a little bit about it, but. There was one particular contestant who, when you were working with her, I think it was the first contestant you were working with, mm -hmm. and she had a lot of trouble with just kind of believing in herself and mm. getting her mind right. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, there's a lot of women who, you know, I'm coaching and working with, and that's kind of where they're at, whether it's a physical thing that they're working through or it's in business. What would you say to to women, especially because, I mean, this was a young woman you worked with. So we're talking the same language, the yeah. same um, demographic here. Uh, what do you how do you coach women uh, when they are really kind of fighting these internal battles? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. That's a that's a complex question, depending yeah, on who it is, <laughs> right? Because there's a lot of factors. Yeah. But uh, Devin, my first the first guy I worked with, um, I mean, to give you a little bit of a background, this, these 10 trainers in the US were paired with 10 female contestants who are trying to transform their bodies and their lives. And um, we got randomly paired. And, um, and when Devin was paired with me, um, this was a competition. It's called Strong. It's on Netflix now. And um, and when they chose you, you had to compete with your contestant. Now, when I went on Strong, I didn't know that was the game. I just thought I was going on. I was training someone. Yeah. So I had to train and then compete with my contestant. On day number one, Devin says, uh, Todd, um, part of the reason why I'm on the show is because like, I want to transform my life, but I hate to compete. I'm like, oh no, that's not good. Like, that's not good. Like, I'm an athlete. Like, I love to compete. And this is this is for a half a million dollars. Like, well, I'm going to teach you real quick how to compete, right? Um, but Devin didn't have good self-esteem. And she uh, had really bad habits, like poor nutritional habits. Like, you know, she was a 25-year-old single girl going out and partying on the weekends and not eating well and and had low self-esteem. And, and that. so it started... I mean, literally basic stuff with, with her, and I'll keep it short and sweet. We were we trained 90 minutes a day, and now again, this is a reality TV show, but but it was real. Like I was, we were training 90 minutes a day. I controlled everything that she ate. I, I ordered the food. We got the food. We made the food. She was eating five times a day instead of one to two times a day, um, starting with breakfast, which she never ate breakfast because I wanted to stoke the metabolism and have, have actually bring in more calories, which was a totally mind you know, it was a mind mess up for her to think, wait, I got to eat more to lose weight. And I'm like, yes, we got to get your metabolism, you know, stoked. And we got to start leaning up and building muscle. Just, I don't want to get big and bulky. You're not going to big and bulky. We're going to get you strong and lean and we're going to get you fit. And then, so we dialed in her nutrition, dialed in her exercise. I started having her journal mm -hmm. um, because she had never been in a journaling practice. And I've been a big believer since my father taught me that at a young age um, is writing your thoughts down. Even if it's just gratitude, I, haven't, I started having Devin um, write down, down these thoughts um, every morning to start with gratitude. So it was a daily process and it was a very unique uh, time in, in, that, uh, in the strong show with Devin. 
Yeah. And you ended up going on to actually working with another contestant later. I won't like blow the whole, uh, you know, I won't give you a spoiler alert, but go on and watch the Netflix series. But you ended up working with two different people. So I did. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I did. And let me tell you, because it's an important story here. I won't tell the whole story, but this is important because one of the reasons why I went on strong, Andrea, have you ever been in a place in your life where everything is good, but like there's something more? There's like yeah. something that you, you, there's, there's, I mean, even more, something deeper. So four years ago, I get this phone call and it was uh, from Sylvester Stallone's production company. And he told me there's a new show and they, they wanted me to go on it. And you know, it's interesting because at that time of my life, everything was good. Like Fitness Quest 10 was good, family's good, but, I wanted I wanted to go deeper in my own life and I didn't know what that was and uh, what I found out ultimately was that this show allowed me to do that because when I accepted it I had to go away to Malibu California and be out of contact with leading my business with contacting with my family for a few months but what happened was with Devin it was a 10-week show and I'll tell you this much after week three Devin and I lost one of the competitions and we got booted out I come back to San Diego, I'd blown out my shoulder, my back was aggravated again, and my knees, and and uh, I'm home for two days, and I get a phone call, and it was Sylvester Stallone, and he says, Todd, you need to come. You, you, yeah. you know what, like that's the, I mean, you gotta stop there. You're like, and it was Sylvester Stallone. I'm like. Yeah, and you know what? I, I probably should put more emphasis on this because <laughs> you know why? You know why? Because there's not a bigger Rocky fan in the world than me. Like I was a Sylvester Stallone fan, a Rocky fan since 1976, and like when I first went on strong, I was I was like starstruck in the sense of I was going to be working on a show with with Sylvester Stallone. But by the time I got the phone call from him, and you know, he said, "Hey, listen, you need to come back up." Uh, there's an opportunity to get back into the game. I said, I was like, Sly, I can't get back in the game, man. I, I blew up my shoulder. I aggravated my back. My knee is all jacked up. He's like, just come back up and, and you'll have an opportunity to get back in the game. And uh, there was four other trainers competing to get back in the game with four other female contestants who were trying to get back in the game. And uh, I was the oldest trainer uh, on the show. And something happened that night, very spiritual. Um, I get emotional thinking about it, but uh, where I, I prayed before this competition that somehow that I would just show out and do something that was beyond human possibility. And it was a really, really, really daunting uh, challenge. And uh, somehow through the grace of God, I, I, I not only got through it, but I got back in the game. Mm. When I was able to tell my, my, my wife and kids that I wasn't coming home again because I lost, that I actually won and I'm back in, they, they couldn't believe it because when I left, they all hedged bets on me and no one thought I would <laughs> I would get to the next level. So lo and behold, I get paired with this new gal who is an absolute rock star, love to compete. And um, some really, really special things happen from there until the end of the show that now you have to watch yeah, strong. Yeah, you gotta watch it. You gotta watch it. Yeah, I'm not gonna give any spoiler alerts for it, no. But 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 Andrew, you get to a point sometimes in your life, whether you're 25 or you're, you're 50, or I've got a 79-year-old client, Dr. David Jeremiah, Pastor Jay, and like, there's times in your life where, where you just, you, you want, you want to go deeper. Mm -hmm. You want to say, am I tapping into the potential I have? And I think COVID and all that thing we're going through, I think this allows for a lot of, of introspection and soul searching. And if you're tapped into your journaling right now and you're 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 really going back to your best practices and not, you know, if you're down and out, you're feeling depressed, um, which is again, it's real. Um, I just wanna remind you the power within you and to get back to even going for walks or doing yoga or Pilates or breath work and meditation um, and do an exercise. If you have to hire a coach or trainer, um, do that. It's really important to have some accountability right now and have people around you that can lift you up and, and encourage you in a difficult time. I 100% agree. There's two, there's two places I wanna go from this. I want to first uh, ask about Dr. Jeremiah, actually, because you share a story in your book about mm. him, which I loved. <laughs> and, I was killed. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I want just to hear a little bit about that, because he said something to you that really made a huge difference in your, your life and shifted. Um, and it says, sometimes you need someone to hit your speed up. 
And so you say you almost killed him. Uh, and he's a mentor of yours. So I'm sure like even working with him. So just share the story because uh, I think this is just a powerful yeah. story. Yeah, those of you that don't know, uh, Pastor David Jeremiah, he's been preaching for 50 years. He's got a ministry called Turning Point. You see him on Sundays on TV. I've been training him for the last five plus years. He's become one of my closest friends. He's 79 years old. He's the most amazing man ever. Um, I haven't trained him over COVID, but we still talk once a week right now, and I, I train him virtually. But uh, right before COVID, <laughs> this happened. So there, he's on the treadmill. Every morning he comes in early. He walks on the treadmill. And I come in before the session starts. And uh, as he's walking, he always has these stories for me. And let me tell you what. Pastor Jeremiah is so full of wisdom. This man, I, I could write a book just on Pastor Jay and the wisdom he shares with me about life and spirituality and taking risks and everything. And anyway, so this one morning, he's telling me this story. And it's like one of the best stories I've ever heard. As he's telling it to me, I'm leaning in. I'm so interested. But I didn't realize when I'm leaning in when he's on the treadmill, I was leaning on the speed up button. The speed up button. So all of a sudden, his little like 2.9 pace <laughs> goes to like a 6.5 on the treadmill. Next thing I know, I see Dr. J sprinting, running on the treadmill. I'm like, what is he doing? Like, why is this going faster? I didn't know I was actually leaning on the speed up button. <laughs> and the, fear, the look of fear on his face. And I pull the, the electrical emergency cord, I pull it, it stops. And I was like beat red. I'm like, oh my gosh, I almost just killed one of the most famous pastors on the planet on a treadmill. This would not be good. And the story is, and, and he, you know, he, he was like, couldn't even talk. He was so out of breath. <laughs> but the next day he comes in, he says, Todd, uh, I want to thank you for what, uh, for yesterday. I said, thank me for yesterday. What, what did I do yesterday? I almost killed you. <laughs> he said, no, what you did is you hit my speed up button. So what do you mean I hit your speed up button? He said, you know, sometimes, sometimes in life you need someone to hit your speed up button. Sometimes you need someone else to actually tell you how far you can go because I would have never found myself running at 6.5 miles an hour by myself. You hit the speed up button and you proved to me that I could still do it. Yeah. I was like, wow. Now that's the ultimate optimist right there. I almost killed him. And he's finding gratitude in Todd, thank you. You hit my speed up button to prove to me that I still have it inside of me. Perhaps this episode today with Andrea, you know, it, it hits your speed up button to say, you know what, you're way stronger than you think. You can still do what you want to do. You got to persevere. It's going to take some roadblocks. It's going to take some getting on the treadmill sometimes. You don't feel like you're traveling far, but sometimes it's someone else hitting your speed up button, hitting that button saying, girl, you still got it. Well, you still got it. We got this. Mm -hmm. That it made you emotional just even telling mm -hmm. the story. Like I, I can see how much it impacted you. That you know there must have been something even in his words that affected you. What did that do for you in the sense of knowing like what do you need to speed up? Like what is that manifesting in your life? Well. I think what it proves to me, it's you know my my favorite verse, Proverbs twenty seven seventeen, iron sharpens iron, iron sharpens iron is all about like who you surround yourself with, who you train with, who you train. Um, it, it matters because my my actions that day, in his mind, improved him. Yeah. But you know he's one of my one of my mentors, one of my people, my inner circle. He's he's a man who improves me. By what he by what he says to me on a regular basis and by his his discipling, um, so to me, you know, hit the speed up button is it, it goes to this. One of my other mentors, fellow Canadian of yours, Wayne Cotton. He's he's he he's had tremendous impact on me. Uh, Wayne Cotton once said, he said, "Todd, is life a marathon or a sprint?" I said, "It's a marathon. He who gets to the finish line first wins." He said, "No, no, no, no." He goes, "It's not a it's not a marathon." He goes, you got that all wrong. As a matter of fact, if you keep running a marathon at a sprinter's pace, he said, you're going to end up like your father, dead at the age of 58 of a heart attack because of the stress that you're under and the way you're running. He goes, life's not a marathon. Life is a series of sprints. Mm. Sprint, rest, sprint, rest, sprint, rest. 
You must get your mellow yellow time. Yeah. You must permit yourself to take time off to recoup. He said, Todd, how do you train your athletes? I watch you training your athletes and you're training them with this high intensity interval. You have them do sprints and then you rest them. You monitor their heart rates. And I said, you're right. I said, if I could view life as a series of sprints, the key though is the mellow yellow time. The key is getting the time off mentally to turn it off, which is hard for many, physically to turn it off. But if you can view life as a series of, of many sprints and then recover, sprint, recover. Because if we're sprinting a marathon right now, we're gonna wear out, we're gonna tire out. And then you start getting beaten by those emotions we were talking about earlier, Andrea. There's nothing normal about this year, not one thing. And with everything that's taken place over the past few months, you might be feeling like it's time to make some changes. You might have even started to reevaluate the direction that you're headed in and questioning whether or not your dreams are relevant anymore, which is totally normal, by the way. So let me ask you a couple of questions. Are you happy with your life? Even as it is right now, during all of this just bizarre times, or do you feel like your relationships are lackluster and you want to get your mind right about moving forward in your life? What you believe to be true about your life is what you will create. Mindset is everything because beliefs make up your life and experience. And if you don't change what you believe to be true about yourself and about your circumstances, then you're not going to be able to change the situation that you're in. So you may be wondering, well, how do I do that? How do I change those beliefs? It all starts with getting really clear on what you want your life to look like being clear on who you want to be, what you want to do with your life, and then how to make that happen. And too often we let our excuses keep us spinning our wheels and stuck in this emotional space that we don't want to be in. And there's no one that understands that more than I do because I have truly been there. So let me ask you, what do you want to see happen this year in your life? Don't continue to make excuses like you're gonna just coast through this year waiting for this to be over. What one thing could change in your life that would change everything? Maybe you know deep down that something has to change but you're not entirely sure how to make that happen. I would love to have a conversation with you about how you can start making those changes and create the life that you truly desire. So don't let excuses hold you back this year take that step of courage and make some big changes in your life. And you can schedule a free 30 minute coaching session with me. We'll chat, talk a little bit about what's going on in your life and how to identify what is holding you back. And I am confident that you will see a shift in your life immediately. So to book your strategy session with me, go to andreacrisp.ca forward slash schedule and we will chat again. That's andreacrisp.ca forward slash schedule. You tell a story in your book about your dad and how um, his death had a, a tremendous impact on you. Can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, you know, my dad was my biggest fan, my biggest cheerleader, my mentor that meant the world to me. Again, my parents got divorced when I was five. He kind of came back in my life for age 10. Mm -hmm. And from age 10 to 20, that man spent a lot of time with me. I was at the, the youngest, I was actually the beneficiary of his time because my older brothers and sisters didn't have that. But I was the beneficiary because when he came back into my life and spent, and he didn't miss a game, he didn't miss a practice, he didn't miss anything that I had. Um, what I learned was the value of time because when I was in college, um, I in, in February 92, uh, I got a phone call that uh, my dad had a massive heart attack. I rushed home from Virginia to New Jersey and um, and uh, sure enough, uh, my father passed at the age of 58, wow. 58 years old of a massive heart attack. That was that was a very, very difficult time in my life because, you know, my back injury, I could recover from physically and move on. I don't get my dad back. No. And um, and when that happened at the age of 20, I did a lot of a lot of spiritual questioning because as a man of faith, I was questioning, why God? Why can this happen to me? Why did you take my dad? And again, 
by going deep and asking questions and over the period of months and years, I realized that, um, you know, perhaps my father's in a better place called heaven and that uh, the lessons I learned in, I'll say 10 years of having him in 20 years of my life, that the lessons that now as a father that I, that I use for my kids, it's about time. It's about time and it's about uh, the love and compassion and empathy um, and, and the, the uh, being good to other human beings because my father was very gregarious and outgoing and he was the life of the party and, and that. But uh, one of the reasons why I got into health and fitness and one of the reasons why I'm a man of impact is uh, I, I try to, I mean, I try to save people. That's what I try to do. That's my purpose in life is to save people and not just save you like spiritually, but save people like their health. Yeah. Like I don't want, I don't want kids to drop their, have their parents drop dead at the age of 52 or 58 or 65 because they didn't take care of themselves or, you know, they didn't get their health screening or their physical because they didn't know they were uh, genetically predisposed to a condition. Um, so for me, even though I call it get your mind right, the book, it's really get your body right, get your mind right, get your soul right, because if we can do that, then we can sh surely make sure that we're maximizing our time on the planet and living with great quality time as well. So that's how my father impacted me, and he still lives in me. Uh, I know I got a little choked up. I didn't expect it to get emotional on your show, but in Strong, when I talked about I, I channeled something spiritual, mm. it was that. Yeah. It was that. My father, actually, I prayed to my father before. I said, Dad, I don't know how I'm going to get through this, but I want to show the world right now what, what, what you can do when you get your mind right and, and you pray about it. And sure enough, my father brought me through that uh, four-story obstacle called the Elimination Tower that night. And uh, man, oh, man, um, even when people are gone, if you've lost people in your life, you could still channel their spirit. You could still channel their energy. You can feel their presence. And um, yeah. It, it's uh, we had a very special relationship and that carries on to the way I father my three children now what a what a legacy like just even mm -hmm. hearing about that when I read that chapter in the book um, it it I didn't realize at the time that I was going to find out uh, just shortly thereafter my dad is going to have surgery just next week actually mm -hmm. and um, it thankfully I won't disclose all of it on the podcast here but it, it's something that he's been watching for a while and I think that's going to have a, a good result. He's 73. He's mm. a former police officer. So he's in, I would say, relatively good health um, for for his age. He, he still does tons and tons of stuff. And um, I have a fantastic relationship with my dad. But that was that's particularly awesome. meaningful to me because when I was in college, I took a running course and it was a mandatory running course. Now you're gonna probably laugh at this whole story, but it was, I failed it. I actually failed the running course because I started to run and I got shin splints. And of course I complained about it, whined and cried about it. <laughs> and the coach who is the baseball coach of the college said, okay, we'll just jump on the bike. And he had me biking for an entire semester. And then mm. when it came time to run, for our final grade and we had I don't know if it was like 5k or something we had to run I couldn't do it and he said you're gonna have to run that and I was like well mm. I've been on the bike for like a whole semester now you want me to run it was probably the most traumatic experience for me and mm. so in my early 20s my memory of running is mm. was that I'm a failure um, I'm watching as I'm, you know, slowly lapping and I had a fantastic partner who was counting my laps and helping me, thankfully got me through the process. But I remember how humiliated I felt and how right. my self-esteem was just going down, down, down. So mm. in my late 30s, I decided that I was going to try running again. Mm. And uh, probably about five years ago, my dad and I... Uh, he ran a 5K in one of the races in Toronto, and I ran a 10, the same race. And we we both ran that day, and he hadn't run in a long time, but he was able to run a 5K in his, you know, late 60s. Yeah. And I ran my first 10K. And I was able to do something that I had not, I guess I'd counted myself out. Because hmm. I... I didn't know how to push myself beyond my limitations of thinking, oh, this hurts, so I shouldn't do it. And no one right. pushed me. 
And then to finally get to a place where I was able to overcome that and start and become a runner. So now I, in my 40s, huh. I'm not an amazing runner, but I'm a runner and I know to call myself a runner. Whereas before I just thought, well, I'm terrible at that. I'll never be able to run. And hmm. and so it's it's a meaningful kind of correlation between my dad and me because it's something we share. Yeah. Andrew, do you think... I'm curious about that transition of what allowed you to to overcome that. Was it you signing up for the 5K and and like sometimes like it's scary like oh I got to get out there and run because I don't want to fail or was it like your father like encouraging you saying hey honey we can do this together like what was the what was that that moment that the light switched? I think it was the uh, it was the slow incremental shifts along the way of running. Um, and then saying, my dad saying to me, you know, you're doing it like you can do it. I remember I have this little story. It's kind of ridiculous, but I was running in along the, um, Toronto. We have this beautiful, uh, boardwalk along Lake Ontario and Yeah. yeah, it's beautiful. And I would run, that was where I ran and I had this guy and I must've been running really slow because bless his heart (laughs) because he, he came towards me and I was running home and he just put his hand up like this. And I was like, looked at him like, and just kept his hand up. And like, I was like, I don't know, am I supposed to give you a high five? Like, so I ran by him and I gave him a high five or he gave me a high five. And I remember thinking to myself at that point, um, I can do this. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter how slow I'm starting. doesn't right. matter when I'm starting. It's the fact that I am. That's right. And so to then be able to say, you know, to do that with my dad and and him being all right, like, I'll do this with you and let like, let's both do this. Um, It's I think, you know, having a support system, I think, is, you know, you talk about Dr. Jeremiah and you talk about your dad and, and, and just the the support and people around you to to actually break those barriers and those mindsets mm. i think is so important giving Absolutely. you what maybe you don't have at the time mm-hmm. um so i i just so appreciated like those stories in your book and it just like made me and it also made me think you know like um just to treasure every moment with my dad like yeah every moment yeah and, and you know that's interesting. It, you're you're right because right now sometimes you get so into yourself, like you're in survival mode, so you get so just wrapped in your own head that it's it's not easy to nourish relationships all around you. Despite us having time with our families, um, I was I was talking to a group I was coaching earlier today about like getting outside of yourself as well because one of the best ways to even uplift your own spirits right now is to serve other people yeah. and it could be serving your family it could be serving in your community somehow because like there, there was a group uh, and it felt so good to see like human interaction like people <laughs> getting out like oh my gosh there's energy and i thrive on that but like if you're in your own head and, and and that sometimes you just have to show up to where you know you're a little scared like i, I don't want to go to the studio or the gym i and then you go there and you feel the energy like, oh my gosh, like humans need interaction. We need life. We need energy. So uh, it, that's a that's a great story, Andrea. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. And you know, I, I grew up in a hockey family. I know you're a big football fan. <laughs> yeah. And a football I love player. hockey too. I love hockey awesome. too. Awesome. Like, so I have two uncles that both played professional hockey. Um, one is my great uncle on my mom's side. And one of them is my dad's brother who um, still actually works for the Predators in his 70s, does color huh. commentary with them. And he's got, uh, I think, three Stanley Cup rings. So two as a player and one as a coach. Shout out to my Uncle Terry. Um, same as Terry Crisp. Um Okay. Anyways, he uh, still works with the Predators to this day. But I hmm. was never, I was a musician. So I never looked at myself as an athlete. My brother was the athlete in the family. My dad was athletic. I was the musician. I was a little heavier growing up. So to me, it you know, I just kind of like had that, that label. I carried mm-hmm. that for a really, really long time. And it took me until like about 35 to shake it off and go, that's not who I am. I've kind of been embracing something that is not me. And mm. I am a strong, fit, um, and not just fit physically, but fit mentally. Right. And, but how, I know that like, you know, it's hard 
when people feel like they've attached themselves to something. They've heard something in their past or they feel like they are labeled as something. How how would how do we overcome that? Like I know how I overcame it, but how would you tell someone to overcome it? Um, a, a few things. Number one, if I was coaching that person, the first thing I would do is uh, I'd have them write down their WLWL, when life works list. When life's working best, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. I want to know every single thing that they're doing um, because we've got to put them in an environment that allows them to excel, to feel good, so they can fill their mind with affirmations. Um, and the, the self-chatter, same thing I would tell my pro athletes, is the self-talk is it's it's amazing how many times men and women uh that this the negative self-talk that one shares in their own head is scary yeah so what i always talk about is you know how do you create your own positive highlight reel in your own head when life work when life was working best how did you feel what were you doing uh, and if you're like man you, you don't understand todd like it, it hasn't been pretty i've been okay then let's work on your vision What's your life gonna look like in in 90 days or six months or in a year? And then let's go there and let's go there and let's actually feel the emotion. Let's tell me about your life, write down your decree, write down what you stand for. And I'm so grateful grateful and happy now that, and what have you created? Now, if you can stick your mind to that and literally when those negative thoughts come in, not only snap your band and tell yourself to get your mind right, get your mind right, get your mind right, is to put yourself in a place where you envision either a really, really happy highlight reel of things that have happened, or you you forecast your vision of what you're going to see. You look through the the front, you know, the front windshield, not the rearview mirror, and uh, you look forward to where you're going to be going, and uh, and then you use affirmations like heck. You surround yourself with people who are going to lift you up. You avoid negative energy vampires who are going to suck the living blood and energy out of you, positivity out of you, because Unfortunately, there's a lot of people who do like to gossip, who do listen to a lot of the news and want the conversation to be dominated by COVID and everything else. And frankly, I I, I don't surround myself uh, with a lot of that talk because I can't take it in and not have it affect my mind. Um, so I'm very, very careful and guarded about uh, what comes in, input versus output. I don't watch the news. I'm making sure I read good books, listen to great podcasts like this. Um, and I, I, that's what I do to get my mind right. So it's those are the those are the the cliff notes version of some of the things that I would suggest for anyone that's beating themselves up or or needs to change that story. You know, they need to divorce the story they keep telling themselves. Divorce it. Yeah. Divorce the story. Yeah. Divorce it. That's good. You talk a little bit about rest, um, and I think that it's important. I think there's a lot of people who are kind of pushing through right now and they're trying to um, get their minds right in, in, in senses that they're they're moving forward. But other people are in a, in a place right now where I've heard a lot of people are saying, I just sense um, I'm supposed to rest. I'm supposed to listen. I'm supposed to just be. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because you've kind of been through that place yourself. Yeah, there, there's active rest and there's passive rest. So what I want to what I want to distinguish here is when I say rest, number one, I think it's really important that right now there is a vision of what you're doing. The vision work could be tapping into meditation and visualization and journaling of where are you going to be going so you can uh, get your dream ignited, right? So. A lot of times your dreams, your aha moments come when you're out for a hike in the forest or you're cross country skiing or you're at the beach and you're, you feel the sand between your toes. Like you're typically your big aha moments come when you're on rest, when you're on mellow yellow time. That's why we take mellow yellow time. That's why we rest instead of sprinting. Um, if you're doing nothing uh, all the time and you're like right now you're stuck, I don't think that's necessarily healthy and good. Um, I think we need to have some purpose in our lives. And sometimes we need to slow down and tap into the whispers as I share, like tap in the whispers of what are they saying? And it's part of your focus. But if you just feel lost, if you're like, I don't know where to go, so I'm doing nothing. The worst thing to do right now is nothing. When I say that is you're either working on your dream or you are actually actively journaling, planning, 
talking with your coach or people in your life who are helping you get through this time versus I know a lot of people right now who are completely stuck in a quagmire and they're not doing anything about it. And they're like, I'm just going to ride this out and see what happens. That's depressing. If you're just going to like ride this out till it ha- like, okay, so when does that, when does this get over six months, a year? I don't know. I don't know. You can't even control it. So I'm just going to ride this out. There's zero, there's zero action on that person's uh, step to actually like, I'm going to move forward and I'm not going to let the world circumstances dictate my happiness. I, from the inside, am going to determine my happiness and I'm going to determine my happiness by doing the following things. Write those things down, the things that are going to make you happy and joyful. And you may shift some of your priorities in your life as well. You may shift some relationships. You may shift some of your finances or your priorities for your finances or your relationships. Um, but I think it's it's actively pursuing what's going to, to bring more fulfillment and happiness in your life. Mm, now, that's good. Before I ask you some rapid fire questions, I have one question. It's out of my own personal curiosity, but I think it's gonna help other people. Mm. This is something that I've been, uh, I am so interested in. I've been trying to learn it for myself. Um, I am fascinated by visualization, especially Mm. when it comes to visualization with athletes, Mm. elite athletes, and that is one of the things that you do. And as from a coach's perspective, when you're talking about visualization and you're talking about um, actually being in a place to visualize, can you explain to us how we can use those same principles of visualization that athletes use in our lives? Mm. Yeah, this is this is deep. It's like my next book is just on visual. Like this is this like, is good though. <laughs> it's this my, is, for this, my own personal benefit. <laughs> right. Th- th- this is good. Let me let me preface this by saying this: the most successful athletes in the world, they use some form of visualization. Mm-hmm. For example, I train one of the guys that I train. If if you don't follow football in the states, uh, one of the the top quarterbacks in the league, his name is Drew Brees. He's the quarterback for the New Orleans Saints. And he's been in the league for, this is his 20th year. And I've been training him for 18 of those 20 years. So when you're 41 years old, this past off season, um, you can only train so much. You can only prepare for your sport so much, regardless of what your sport is. Um, One of the ways you can prepare is through visualization. So one of the things that a guy like Drew would do is he'd watch a lot of tape and cut-ups of his film of him doing great plays. I want to see myself on first down or third down, and I want to see all the completions I made. Why? Because what we're trying to do is create a picture, a vision in your mind of what it's like to play when we call it that zen moment, when everything's in the flow state, when everything's in the flow state and everything is just going. Well, how do we do that? Okay, this is this is bring it down to the practical standpoint. So whether you you carve out 20 minutes a day or when you're going to sleep, um, what I would have any of my clients, not even just my pro athletes, do is to whether it be lying in corpse pose or lie or sitting up in in a cross-legged position, is to close one's eyes and literally put yourself where you want to be and not only see you performing but also see it, feel it, sense it. What does the crowd feel like? What's the ambiance like? By the way, where I sit right now, Andrea, in Fitness Quest 10, it's the same spot I opened when I had no clients, no money, no business plan in year 2000. And what did I do? I did something my sister, Patty, my oldest sister of five, taught me to do is visualization. She said, visualize what you see all around you. I want you to visualize people the vibration of energy of people Mm. coming in and out. I want you to hear the music that you're gonna be playing, Rocky. Uh, (laughs) I want you to hear, I want you to see the people. I want you to see your sign. I want you to smell what it's gonna smell like, whatever that smell is. So now what I try to do with myself and any of my clients I work with is, is on a regular basis, is to play the game a thousand times before you play the game. So if I was gonna do a keynote, I'm gonna play that keynote a thousand times in my head when I'm on the elliptical working out, when I'm on the treadmill working out, um, when I'm out for a walk, I'm gonna I'm gonna see myself moving around. It used to be the stage, now it's on Zoom, and it's seeing the energy I want to be. Um, so it's literally playing the game 
a thousand times before playing the game, or it's putting yourself in the home that you want to be in or putting yourself in the career you want to be in and literally sensing it, feeling it and acting it. Because when you feel like you've done that and you visualized it, guess what? When you're in this situation for the interview, for the job that you want, you've already been there a thousand times yeah. and you, 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 you're already there and you don't get overwhelmed by the the, the aspect of, oh my gosh, I get nervous and you're starting to sweat, you get anxiety and you get, you, you, you get, you know, risk averse because of that. So visualization is a skill and it's a discipline of actually sitting your tail down or lying down and taking 10 to 20 minutes to put your mind's eye in a place that brings you um, happiness, joy, or success, depending on what you're visualizing. Um, sometimes there's music on in the background to put you in a trance state. Sometimes it's kind of a quiet environment. But uh, either way, it's a skill that I recommend to everyone, including kids. Uh, I've got high school student athletes that I work with, and uh, I've got you know, actors and actresses uh, at some pretty high roles in Hollywood. I'm like, visualize your perfect performance. What do you want in your performance in whatever your role is? Um, in, in, you know, you're a musician, Andrea. It's actually, you know, going out there and visualizing that performance um, on the stage that you want. So I'm a huge believer. I, I can't imagine what I do now without the power of visualization. No, you couldn't have answered that better. I love that answer. It's um, thank you. I use it with my voice students, and mm. even the young ones. And you know, not even just looking at the music, but I, I say, can you hear it in your mind? Can mm. you hear right. yourself? And I want you. And it's so interesting to um, hear them sing afterwards. I say, just list, like imagine yourself singing through the song, and mm -hmm. then now sing through it with the the techniques I've told you about and immediately it shifts and it's real and so it's been really fascinating to watch even the young ones with that technique yeah let me let me one more thing because I think it could reduce some anxiety people feel on a daily basis visualize in the morning the day you want to have yes so literally like what like when you when you put down in your journal today what's today going to be like and you say my mantra is going to be I'm going to live with courage and and passion and energy today Okay, visualize, okay, you know you have three meetings today, you have two Zooms and, and a podcast recording. You see yourself going through your day, you, you rehearse your day before you go through your day so that you've already experienced it so you don't get like, you know, experience anxiety showing up at the office because you realize you have 50 things that have to be done. You realize that you're going to focus on these three things and who you're going to interact with and who you're going to see and who you're going to, you're going to speak with that day. So visualize the day you want, see yourself eating the foods you want, see yourself getting the workout in. Now don't visualize workouts and don't work out. You got, that's you the one thing it. you have to do. You, <laughs> you can't just visualize. I see myself working out for 90 minutes right now and, and it works. No, you actually have to do the work as well. <laughs> you know, it's so funny because I, I have actually started to do that, what you're saying, and I do it for podcast recordings. I do it for um, coaching calls. I yes. visualize what it's going to be like to talk to the person, the questions that I might ask, and also just seeing. So I've already visualized our conversation. Yes. So it's really cool that you Perfect. say that because I was like, yeah, that's exactly. Now, I've got some rapid fire questions, simple, okay. simple things, but just things I'm interested um, what book have you recently read? Um, Wayne Dyer's book right now. It's all about manifest your destiny. And I was just thinking about that when you're talking about manifestation, but that's the book that I just finished reading. It's a great book. Wayne Dyer's one of my favorite authors. Yeah, it's great. That's a great book. Would you rather go to space or be underwater? Underwater. Why? I love swimming. I love the water. I find peace in the water. I was a lifeguard back in New Jersey growing up. So I love the water. I, I find, uh, I find peace in the water. That's awesome. Okay. What brave step do you need to take next? <laughs> oh man, that's a good question. Um, brave step. Uh, besides write another book, <laughs> I'd say uh, uh, this, this is a great question. I would say, restructure my organization, uh, my business, so that I can take it to the next level for what the future holds. Mm, that's good, that's good. Favorite quarantine pastime? 
working out with my kids. How old are your kids? 17, 15, 12. And we created this program together called Get Yoked it was like back in April. And it was so fun because I was working out with them. We were filming and like, it was just a special time working out with them. And it was a month long, it was 30 day program. Um, so it was just a really special time. That's awesome. And then the last question is, what have you learned that you would otherwise not have learned because of COVID? That I don't need as much in my life as I thought I need. And mm. and every aspect I have, I, I was probably way too busy. I probably had way too much overhead, <laughs> everything, like too much, too much everything. Like I don't need as much as I thought I needed to to, to have the impact that, that I, that I want to have. So there was probably too much excess in my life. Thank you so much for your wisdom. Uh, I, I'm going to promote your book. I'm going to put it all in the show notes where people can grab a copy. But can you tell them where they can find you and how they can connect with you? Sure. And Andrea, thank you so much. I really enjoyed the conversation and thank you for what you're doing. Uh, that was that was a, a great conversation. So I appreciate you. Yeah. Um, Instagram at Todd Durkin. Uh, website's ToddDurkin.com. So ToddDurkin.com would be three Ds, T-O-D-D-D-U-R-K-I-N.com. Uh, yeah, and I like social media. So Instagram, Twitter at Todd Durkin. If you're on social media, Facebook, um, you'll find me anywhere on social media. And I have a podcast. It's called the Todd Durkin Impact Show. Todd Durkin yeah. Impact Show as well. So um, I love podcasts. I am a huge believer in podcasts. I, I love being a guest on podcasts as well. So um, yeah, those, those are the places you can find me out there. Awesome. Thank you for being here. I appreciate it. Thank you, Andrea. There are so many takeaways from that conversation. I feel like it's going to take me a while to absorb them all. So I might even have to listen back and take down a few notes for myself. But the one thing that keeps coming back to me was when Todd said, embrace those feelings and then turn them around and use them as fuel. And over the past few weeks, especially that has been coming up over and over again in my life because I didn't realize that I had actually been bypassing what I was feeling. And I was trying to stuff down my feelings and emotions just to get to the other side, just try to cope and try to achieve things that I wanted to achieve. But really that wasn't working for me at all and it was doing me more harm than good. So what a great reminder to lean into the tension, the resistance, to feel all the feels. So thank you, Todd, for that great reminder. And the same goes for you too. Whatever you may be experiencing right now in your life can be used for your benefit. It's not always going to be that easy, but it's definitely going to be for your good. Next week on the podcast, I'm going to go solo again, sharing a bit more about some of the lessons that I've learned over the past few months. I'd love for you to join me because we're navigating a new normal and things are different. And I'm going to just share with you what's worked for me, what's not worked for me. And I want to thank Todd. Huge, huge thanks for being on the show, for sharing so honestly and transparently about your journey and how you've navigated your life throughout uh, this past season in particular, but really um, throughout your whole adult life. You're such an incredible guy, big heart, generous spirit. So make sure that you connect with Todd on Instagram and you can find him on Facebook and the website. I'll put a link to his book as well as the podcast in the show notes so that you can find him online. And of course, I'd love for you to connect with me as well. You know that um, I love chatting with you on Instagram and I love uh, hanging out with you. So make sure you find me at, at the dot courage cast as well as at Miss Crispy. Until next time, remember you have everything you need to live bravely. If you like this episode of The Courage Cast, we'd love to hear from you. Leave us a rating and review, and while you're there, hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. Original music and production by Stephen Crilly.